The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. It is wonderful when a person who's made a name for himself or herself uses some of that powerful currency for good for a cause like veganism. Now, we know that some of these people, well meaning though they might be, dabble. Like many of the rest of us, they lose interest, they move on to other things. My guests today, Jerome Flynn in segment one and Elaine Hendricks after the break, are so committed to the earth and the animals, it takes my breath away. I'm calling this episode Actors in Their Greatest Role because that has to be what saving lives and ending suffering is, don't you think? Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Main Street Vegan Program. I am your host, Victoria Moran. I need to tell you that I have been so blessed to do this show and podcast for eight years. But today is the first time ever that my husband, William, is listening to the live program. Because, you see, he is a huge Game of Thrones fan, and his favorite character is Bronn, played impeccably by my first guest, Jerome Flynn. From a family of actors, Mr. Flynn is both an actor and singer, known also for roles including Patty Garvey in the series Soldier, Soldier, and Bennett Drake in Ripper Street. He went vegetarian at 18 and is now a committed vegan, environmentalist, animal advocate, and I am very pleased to announce that he has recently come on board as an executive producer of Thomas Jackson's documentary, A Prayer for Compassion, the film that I'm also so involved with to introduce vegan ideals to people of faith. Welcome, Jerome Flynn. Oh, welcome, Victoria. Thank you. That's, that's I think, the most touching introduction I've ever had. So oh, bless your heart. Well, thank you so, so very much for taking the time to, to be with us today. So just tell us a little bit about you and about how the child you once were gave indications about the man you would become? Gosh. <laughs> Good question. Um, 
Well, I think I think probably I would put number one in terms of shaped me was my parents' love, um, and that I was very very lucky to have two parents who um, cared very deeply about their children, um, and uh, I felt unconditionally kind of embraced by their love. Um, so it was a combination of that. And also very importantly, I was lucky enough to be brought up close to right on the edge of beautiful Kentish countryside. Uh, they call it the garden of England where I was brought up and, um, our house backed out onto these seemingly endless woods and fields. And that's where most of my play happened and my introduction to the wild. And I think it's so, so important. Um, and I was so blessed to have that because it's something that, you know, we've certainly lost a connection with is our land and our, our sense of place in, and belonging to that land and our part, our, our being part of that land and the nature within it and all of the life and that kinship with life, I was lucky enough to be introduced to from an early age. And my mother was a huge animal lover and uh, would rescue anything. And people would bring her injured animals because they knew that mum wouldn't be able to say no. So I was brought, also brought up with that atmosphere of having like wounded kestrels and, and fox cubs. Um, literally, we had, we brought up about 10 fox cubs. That whose mothers, whose parents had been gassed by farmers. And we ended up with the cubs and then slowly introduced them back to the wild. And it, it was just a, uh, I mean, it seemed just part of my life at the time. But now I realize what a, what a blessing that was and how important it was for me and, and surely has shaped me into being just very naturally um, uh, an animal lover and and i have an understanding that also my relationship with those animals really helped me to understand my own my own nature um and that, and it also i mean there's so much there but my in terms of like the cats we had we always ha had siamese cats and it was i felt the unconditional love from them but also it was my first experience of deeply loving and then deeply grieving when we started to lose them and which was very you know which is hugely precious um because uh, grief is something in our modern culture we, we we kind of can easily tend to be death phobic and um uh but grief and love and especially if you if you go back to our indigenous roots and our indigenous people they'll teach you they'll they'll tell you that they go hand in hand and they're it's they're uh, they're part of the same coin I'm I'm rambling on though. <laughs> no, you're you're rambling beautifully. <laughs> I feel that you're you're speaking in um, animal rights 2.0. That that you're taking us deeper into this thing that many of our listeners care about, but maybe haven't looked at in this deeper way. Mm -hmm. um, well, I um, I just feel. There is so much, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of dipping back in there, if you like, because I, I then moved from my country home, 
I, be, I went to drama college and I ended up in London for 20, 25 years um, and had that longing for the country, but then got caught up in all sorts of things. I actually got caught up in a spiritual cult at, at one point, um, um, which was not all bad, but, but I've then now moved out to Wales. I've got cats again. I'm on the coast. I'm, I'm in, in the nature. And I've been lucky enough also because of the um, returning to the screen and what Game of Thrones, the, the, the huge popularity of that. People have come to me, uh, with some wonderful people who are involved in, who knew I was an animal lover, who wanted me to be part of their project. So I've been re-immersing myself and, and uh, been lucky enough, for instance, to uh, Linda Tucker of the White Lion Foundation um, asked me to go over there. I read her book, uh, The Mystery of the White Lions, and I went over and, and met these extraordinary beings that she's been uh, protecting and fighting for. And, uh, and oh my gosh, there's a whole other world opened up to me in terms of what animals and then animal communication from that. And, and in terms of what they actually have to teach us um, about ourselves and our relationship to nature and especially where we are at now, I feel like they have very strong messages if we will listen to them and a very strong reflection about our times now and, uh, and our responsibility to be true custodians of, uh, for this planet. And there's, there's strong messages coming from, from our, uh, our animal brothers and sisters. <laughs> they, they are wonderful teachers and wonderful friends. So as you are involved in so many aspects of this and, and really helping all over, I mean, I see you in, in vegan and, and climate and factory farming. And so where, where, what touches your heart the most acutely of all these things? Well, uh, what touches my heart you know, is, as I said, I guess, the kinship that I understand as in our human nature that we naturally have with all life. And it's heartbreaking to see where we've got to in the crises. I believe all of the crises we are facing uh, today are to do with our disconnection from our true nature. Um, so to see, to, you know, to to see the suffering and to feel the suffering um, that we are involved with in just in terms of our diets alone um, to, our, to, our, to our beloved animals. Um, that's something I just can kind of undoubtedly jump on that, but jump on board anybody who wants to try and, uh, I mean, for instance, the factory farming is something I, I, it's so hard to fathom how that is still happening and how our governments are still not only allowing it, but incentivizing it. And um, that I pray to God, you know, very soon we are able to look back on that um, and think, how on earth did we allow this to, to happen at all and for so long? So initially, trying to, putting my energies in towards helping to bring awareness to what is really going on and the, the production line 
and how animals have ended up being farmed in the nature that they are. That they are. You know, there's farming and there's farming. And now you can't kind of, I think it's an insult to, to traditional farming and to family farming to, to put factory farming into the same bracket because it's just a business. And uh, animals have become a commodity and there's no care at all for their, for their sentience or their, their sensitivity. So that's one thing that I can safely say. So I care deeply about trying to join all the other wonderful um, lion-hearted people who are trying to bring that to an end. And there are so many millions now, and it's, and it's growing. And I think as, as that education comes out, of what's really going on and uh, the scams are revealed and these false kind of welfare um, stamps that are uh, the ad- agriculture industry and the supermarkets are creating to create some kind of uh, idea that they're being compassionate. Uh, they're being brought to the surface now. And uh, I believe the truth is coming out and it is what will uh, bring this terrible industry down. Um, yeah. And I think more quickly that than we have anticipated before. It's really growing like wildfire. It so, is. you know, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, no, you're absolutely right. It's happening. There's a lot happening now very quickly. So, Jerome, very oftentimes people who care about animals are told that we only care about animals, which is ridiculous. And I know you're involved in in Survival International, protecting indigenous people. You're involved in a program to bring mindfulness into schools. Tell us about some of that. Yeah, I, I, I find it, you know, I find it hard to separate them in a way because, um, it's all coming from the, it's, it's all the same heart, you know? And I mean, if you look at the connection between, I, I, you know, that, that, uh, to have our indigenous people, the ones that still have their traditions and their, their lineage left and their land left, what land they do have left. It's to the, we, we can't afford to lose them. Um, and it's, you know, they, they, they've been telling us for hundreds of years, you know, uh, about our relationship to the land and animals. And that, and that if we carry on exploiting the land and, and the animals of the land, uh, that, that we will uh, cease to survive. And that's what we're facing into now. Um, and there's just something. I mean, the, the indigenous people that I've met, and the time that I've been graced enough to spend with them, some of the richest times of my life, life where I've taken most learning and most wisdom from these people who are most naturally in themselves and have not uh, in the same way uh, taken this road uh, of departure from our true nature. And they still have that wisdom. And uh, it's... And they're still pouring their gifts out to us, and they're still warning us. And uh, you know, we it. I, I remember discovering, you know, as an Englishman, that I had we hadn't been taught it at school. We'd been taught about our colonialism and what happened, kind of from the Romans onwards. And I I was brought up with 
kind of subconsciously with quite a lot of shame around that, um, around my history and what I understood to be my ancestry. But then I discovered that I, I had, there were tribal peoples here, that I had indigenous ancestors before colonialism hit. And, the, and that meant so much to me to understand that. Um, so the work and the passion to help our, our remaining First Nation people it doesn't feel separate. You know, it's not separate from helping myself and all of us. It's so crucial to the whole story and to our survival. Um, um, and, you know, inherent in, in helping them to save and preserve their land, we, we also get to save the land and the forests that we need, that our Mother Earth needs to breathe and that we need to survive. So it's, uh, and likewise, you know, going to our children and our young ones, I'm just feeling such a, an increased sense of responsibility towards them um, to to try and honor honor them and be the be the elders that uh, that they deserve. You know, and so that they can actually, you know, I'm I I may have thirty or forty years left, but. We, we all have this opportunity now to, with the time that we have left, for those of us who, um, who are more, you know, closer to my generation, to do what we can for our young people, to, to give them, to do the work so we're not leaving it up to them to save the planet, um, and to look after their health, to give them an opportunity to learn about themselves, about who they truly are, and about their own true nature, and mindfulness, um, and that type of self-knowledge is something that I left school without, you know. I felt there was something missing. And then when I started to meditate, um, that was my way to, uh, to start to experience the spiritual, to experience God. It was my way to experience Christ, if you like, the Christ energy. And, and so mindfulness and being still, um, letting everything be as it is, and sinking into the depth beyond uh, all this stress and worry of the mind, God knows what we're throwing them at, at, at them nowadays. And the, as we know, the rates of, of mental illness and um, mental problems in our young is higher than it's ever been, uh, as are the rates of suicide. So it's like they desperately need our help um, to, to be able to step out into this world. It, it's... It's one hell of a place if I can if I compare it to when I stepped out into the world when I was twenty you know thirty years ago thirty five years ago that was pretty that was pretty intense but it's like it's pretty it's a whole other thing now and we they need every bit of help they can get to be to have a stable grounding in the core of their being in their hearts in their love in the, in in love and in spirit and and to sense and experience that. Um, so what could be more important, you know, for, and I, I just, that's so, yeah, I guess that's an answer to the question in terms of what I'm passionate about is, is, uh, the health of our, of our young ones and, and our animals and our, and our planet. Amen. So, so you are an ambassador for mild mindfulness in schools, MISP. Is this an organization yep. in the UK? It is. It's wow. a wonderful one, and um, it's having it and and several other 
wonderful organizations and I know it's happening in America. There's a, there's a big movement for it and it's wonderful that this is happening and I've seen the real effects of it and, and heard these young people speak who have, who have starting where, the, where it's got into the schools and uh, heard their testaments and seen their strength and uh, it's, it's already having a huge rippling effect but we need to roll it out. And it needs, I mean, I think the Dalai Lama, who's, for me, he's one of our true, truly strong world leaders uh, that, that we can look up to and, uh, and listen to and heed his wisdom. But he said, you know, you, if, you, if all the children in the, the world had mindfulness, then uh, that would, we'd have a peaceful world. And I believe that. Um, so uh, I don't see any, any reason why that can't happen and it's like you know because we're the, the culture that our kids are being brought up into in the education so much of it is about achievement and growth as is our culture in general and well I have to ask the question you have to ask the question well what is now what is growth and what is progress really is it about the wealth of our country and the success of our business and our corporates well that's what's actually that blind kind of that blindly reaching for growth and progress that sort of growth and progress is what's bringing us to the precipice and the crisis we're in so for me growth and progress is it's caring for the greater whole it's caring for the health and wellness of our young people and and uh, our environment and our animals that's growth and progress it is indeed. And it's so real. One of the things that I see with children, I live in New York City and I see little bitty babies you know, in strollers with a phone yeah. playing some kind of game. And I think it's always been difficult to come of age and come out into the world. But until recently, at least it was the real world. Yeah. And you, you had to deal with other people and certain dangers, but yeah. you could get your hands on it. And, and I, I love that you're, you're doing the mindfulness because that's uh, the ultimate reality. So this kind of brings us full circle with the mindfulness and the veganism and a prayer for compassion. So I know you were introduced to the film by another executive producer, Dr. Silas Rao. So how did that all come about? Well, I had um, I was approached by um, some wonderful people who were starting um, an initiative called Vegan Nation, um, which is um, attempting to bring all the vegans globally together into kind of in one platform, uh, creating a, current, a vegan currency, a cruelty-free currency. So they've approached me to be an advocate, and an advisor, and an ambassador. And on the board of that, of advisors, was Silash Rao. And I had, I knew a bit about Silash and what I knew, I was kind of in awe of. And um, I saw his name and I just, it's something happened in my heart because I, I had, I thought, what? My first feeling was like, I want to do something with Silash. And, um, and then he, we, he contacted me very recently and because uh, I'd seen the films he'd been involved in, the wonderful films, which have had such a huge effect. And I think brought so many people uh, through into veganism. 
And he, he, he said, we've got this film, Prayer for Compassion, and we'd love you to. He sent it to me. I loved it. I think it's a really powerful, very true message, um, which is hard to argue with. You know, what's at the heart of our, all of our faiths if we're being true to those faiths? It is compassion. And if that's true, then where does that compassion stop? Well, I don't think it can stop with our beloved animals. Um, and with, in fact, that's where it's one of the places it has to start. So it's a wonderful film with a wonderful message, and that's how I got introduced to it. And um, I'm very excited to be involved. And uh, I'm very excited also because Silas has just asked me to India because he's going to be touring it around India and giving talks. And uh, I'm going to go out out there to meet him and uh, and uh, join in his mission there. Oh, it's so exciting. The, the film started very, very small. In fact, I, I don't know if you know the story that uh, Thomas Jackson, the filmmaker, called yes. into this radio show <laughs> when we were doing a book giveaway, and he left his contact information with the engineer asking if I would call. And then he said, will you be the producer for my film? And my first thought is, I think producers have millions of dollars sitting around. <laughs> but then when he said it's going to be about veganism and spirituality, I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out the millions of dollars. Yes, yes, I will oh, do this wonderful. thing. Oh, wonderful. I didn't know that story. That's wonderful, Victoria. <laughs> it's It's been uh, quite a, a lovely journey so far and and so much ahead so just in our last couple of minutes jerome what is really important for you to get across to somebody that you would just meet in the pub or on the underground what would you like them to know oh my gosh (laughs) well I, i mean that do you mean in relation in what area because i guess if it was somebody I was meeting in the pub, I, it, it would depend how we were getting on <laughs> and how open they were for conversation, you know, and if they were asking me, I don't like to push myself on people not in a public situation like that. But if they were showing me interest and asking me questions about these things and about why I might be a vegan, um, I maybe would be sharing them, well, what are your values and do you love animals and uh, do you care about the health of our planet? Um, because, and I'd point them towards a film like Prayer for Compassion or What the Health, um, because now the science and the facts are, are clearer than ever um, in terms of not, not just, I mean, as if the, the cruelty isn't enough, but in terms of the effect now in terms of where we're at with climate crisis, it's a no-brainer, and it's 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 known now that the best thing you can do for the planet and the animals in the environment is to to start eating plant-based food. And um, so I I I yeah I'd share my heart with them, but I'd point them in a few directions. I I love that. Thank you so so very much, Jerome Flynn, for being my guest and for all that you do. We look forward to uh, more miracles to come. Bless you, Victoria. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World You're listening to Unity Online Radio 
This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Eric Butterworth. How much time is enough time? Ever thought about that? How much time is enough time? Time is not a quantity. It cannot really be measured. Oh, you say, but it can. I have a watch, but the watch is synthetic. There's no way to really measure time because time is a depth. It's an allness. You may say, but I only have an hour. I only have a day. And so all you do is admit to yourself and to others that you've encased yourself in a shell. And this time frame will always frustrate your creative flow. And time for you will be a matter of the clock ticking on, but it's only where you are in consciousness. So it's time to slow down, to look up, to get a sense of the eternal. And this basically is the purpose of prayer. To hear more talks from Eric Butterworth, visit truthunity.net. Experts say picking up a pen and paper and writing things down can have some amazing benefits. Spark some creativity by sketching, doodling, and writing down what you want in life with a set of Unity Inspiration Notepads. They come in three inspirational designs with themes of gratitude, intention setting, and visualization. These are great tools to keep on your desk and use every day. Just $12.99 for a set of three. Pick up yours today at unityonline.org shop. Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Experience divine wisdom every Monday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 Eastern with Lisa Williams. A spiritual teacher, author, and psychic medium, Lisa finds joy in helping those that are grieving by connecting to their loved ones on the other side. Lisa can also tap into your life contract to help you find the perfect career, as well as help you find your true soulmate. Call in and join the show live or listen later on demand right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back. For those of you who are new to all the things we do here, please check out MainStreetVegan.net where there's a blog and a movie and an academy. If you're vegan and you would like to take your outreach to the next level, you can train with us in a magical week in New York City and become certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator. Pretty cool, huh? 
And this week, oh my goodness, this is the big week annually in the animal rights world because it is the National Animal Rights Conference happening in Alexandria, Virginia, just next to Washington, D.C. I hope you'll be there. If you are, come and say, hey, I'll have a table for Main Street Vegan. I'll be on a panel with youth activist Genesis Butler and Karen Davis of United Poultry Concerns, and also as part of a Q&A after the Sunday morning screening of the film A Prayer for Compassion. So the filmmaker Thomas Jackson will be there. Dr. Silas Rao that uh, Jerome Flynn was talking about will be there as well. And a huge highlight of the conference is going to be that my next guest, Elaine Hendricks, will be receiving the Animal Rights Star Award for her decade-plus work in animal rights. Elaine Hendricks is an actress and animal activist. She's best known for her iconic role as Meredith Blake in the Disney classic The Parent Trap, as well as starring opposite Dennis Leary in the FX series Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And she is currently filming a new series for Paramount entitled Paradise Lost. Welcome, Elaine for animals all over the internet, <laughs> Hendrix. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Oh, such a pleasure to have you. And, and to know that you know Unity, our sponsoring network, and you've actually uh, called Silent Unity. I have called Silent Unity many, many times um, when... Back in 2005, I went through a big transition, and it was just a very dark time for me. And Silent Unity I was definitely part of a support network that just really saved me. <laughs> oh, and we love to hear that. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, Silent Unity has been praying round the clock 24-7 since the 1890s and you can call or you can request prayer online it's very ecumenical you don't have to be a unity person or a christian person or just a person and they pray for animals too if if uh, you have a companion animal uh, who's ailing so we have so many wonderful support networks all over the place we are fortunate indeed so missy lane how are you feeling about going to be a big honoree this weekend oh uh, well I, I like i cry every time i talk about it <laughs> so i'm for sure gonna cry right now as i am and i'll cry saturday when i'm there but it's i mean I, gosh, Alex Hershaft, who started um, Farm USA, uh, Farm Animal Rights Movement, uh, his organization has asked to give me this award. And I was literally like, there has, like, there's got to be so many other people who are much more worthy. But they were very insistent. And I'm, I'm so just floored by it. And I can't wait to get there. I've been to the conference many times in Los Angeles, but this will be my first time attending on the East Coast. And I'm just, I'm humbled and honored and in, in love with my people. Well, I'm so excited. Because Hello, animal rights people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be wonderful to be able to be there and, and see you sparkling brilliantly. 
So um, let's just get started, Elaine, by having you tell everybody about yourself. And I'm going to ask you the very same thing I asked Jerome Flynn. What was there in your personality as a little girl that foretold what kind of woman you would become? Mm, Great question. And, you know, there's always the debate of nature versus nurture. And I think where where the that debate is landed these days is that it's both. It's, you know, it's not one or the other. So I feel very fortunate that I just, part of me was born, I think, this way. And then um, I also feel very fortunate in that I had an environment that nurtured me to be um, empathic. And when I talk about that, I was born this way, meaning I was I, I've always been empathic. I've always been animal nature oriented. I've always been one to want to give back. And I, I grew up in East Tennessee, uh, where we are known as the volunteer state. And so it's it was it's just always been a part of my life. And then when I got older, uh, I really found value in focusing my efforts because I wanted to be someone who would show up for everyone, anywhere, anytime, for anything, but that's just not possible. And so I made what I call the fortunate mistake of watching an undercover fur video, and that completely changed my life because I think like most people, I as as empathic as I was and as animal and nature oriented as I was, I had no idea what was actually happening to animals. I mean, when I was a little girl, I had a rabbit fur coat because I loved rabbits. And so the, like the connection between those rabbits being killed from my coat and much less like how they were being killed for my coat. Like that just never came up in any kind of conversation. I mean, I, I literally think they probably, they just like shaved the rabbits. Like I just had, you know, a part of a rabbit. And so to learn what was like actually happening, if I had known that when, when I was a little girl, I would have never wanted a rabbit fur coat. So I, I just, I, I didn't know what was happening. And then once I did, I could not turn a blind eye to it. And now it's part of everything that I do to make myself uh, a more compassionate and cruelty-free person every single day and to help and inspire and encourage others to do so as well. And you do it beautifully. So how with all this empathy and the animals, how did you find the time to become a successful actress? (laughs) Well, those same qualities I think um for me there it's it's hand in glove I decided a long time ago I was not going to compartmentalize my life that it was I wasn't going to you know at one minute be an actress and another minute be an activist and I I needed to live in integrity in the whole of my life so I take the same empathy and compassion that I have into my work and that's, you know, I, I think 
the best artists strive for that because there's so many stories and the stories that we tell are not always love and light and happy and pretty. You know, there's very dark and haunting stories that also desperately need to be told. So that, that um, empathy and, and compassion, that's when you really have to call upon it when you're playing characters that aren't so nice or aren't so lovable or aren't so good in this world. Um, but for me, it all points to, um, it all points to us understanding ourselves and our humanity better. That makes so much sense to just to almost walk in somebody else's shoes, ideally walk in somebody else's non-leather shoes, (laughs) just (laughs) see, see how they see things. So you have so much going on. You have three movies coming out, Burying Yasmin, Low Low, and Adopt a Highway. But then you said in your notes, but capital letters, the one true thing I'm really excited about is, is animal rights. So I think a lot of people would say, but wait a minute, you're living the dream. When you get to the dream, aren't you supposed to kind of just be there and embrace that? And yet you want to change the world too. How do you juxtapose those? Well, again, like I don't see them as being different. For me, it's it's one and the same. It's just because of what I do, I have an elevated platform. You know, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not the biggest star in the world, but I do have a a following and I do have people who listen and, and people who pay attention to, uh, you know, ideas and thoughts and, um, trends that I help put out in the world. And, uh, so my acting on another and say my day job is as an actress and my life's job is, uh, as an activist. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so what's your focus? What, what, if, if you could only do one kind of animal activism, what would that be? Oh, or two or three. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, I work on, I work on all aspects and that's such a great question. And thankfully, 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 I don't have to choose, but I think that, um, just overall awareness and education of getting people to recognize animals as, sentient beings with their capable of their own emotions and, and, um, thinking and feeling the fact that they can feel pain, um, you know, and then all, everything from that, whether it's, you know, veganism and, and your diet will affect the largest number of animals. Um, fur certainly affects uh, astronomical amount of animals, testing, but, uh, you know, and on and on, uh, uh, puppy mills, the whole, everything, fishing, it all comes down to people's shifting their ideas of, and, and fi- shifting their beliefs that animals are objects, animals are things, when in fact they are not. We need to shift it to that they are their own beings capable of very, very complex lives and complex relationships in their own right. 
And so if I had to pick anything, it would be to continue to chip away at that core belief system throughout Mm -hmm. societies. That makes sense. I I know you've also done hands-on rescue, and most of us have not. So Mm. tell us about that. Yes, I got trained in large-scale, what is called large-scale rescues. So I've been part of teams who have gone in to bust puppy mills, hoarders, fighting rings, and I've worked every aspect of that from the preparation and evidence gathering to the preparation and lining up to go in to actually um, do the what I'll call a bust, um, and then the extraction, which is the removing the animals from the situation, and then into the emergency sheltering, which is where we evaluate them, we hold them until there is a court ruling that um, they legally become ours to then transport and work with placement partners to get them in sanctuary environments or um, adoptable rescue environments. So I've been a part and worked on from A to Z in that. And uh, I've done various species, dogs, cats, um, macaque monkeys. I've taken, um, I've been a part of a team that took them out of a toxicology lab, um, exotic birds, horses, um, And then I've also done small-scale rescue, which is literally just, hey, this person is not going to keep their animal anymore. Okay, great. Let me go get it. Or let me take this animal out of the shelter. And um, that is all, it's all sounds very fancy and it's all very exciting and it's extremely important. Um, And it takes a lot of uh, dedication and there's some amazing, amazing teams um, out there doing that um, animal investigation and response team. Um, Monica Ailey out of Texas is one of my favorite people um, doing that now. And I still like to work with her a lot. Um, But, you know, the truth is that anybody can work in rescue anywhere. All you have to do is go down to your shelter or work with a local rescue group and foster an animal. And that right there is huge in and of itself. So, you know, uh, yes, I have all this training. I have all this experience. It's incredible. Um, But you don't have to do that to make a difference. One will make a difference. Well, I just met you a couple of weeks ago, and there was a weather crisis near a place that you were going to be. And you just said as casually as somebody else might say, and maybe I'll go to the mall, you said, and I'm going to look for a rescue operation. (laughs) I I love how you think that, okay, I'm going to be there. There's something going on. What can I do? That kind of mental processing, I think if enough of us had it, we would see some major changes very quickly. For sure. And, you know, uh, this this world is a really big place and there's a lot of very worthy um, issues out there. H- helping animals is so easy because we bump up with we bump up into them every in every single day of our lives in some way so it's just becoming aware of that and then making different choices particularly with our almighty dollars so you know animals is my cause for somebody else it might be children for someone else it's and uh, the elders for someone else it's cancer etc 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 so you know if we just 
all keep going and keep helping each other become aware, then we can make this already beautiful world um, so much more. The the thing that's um, that I think is particularly alarming is that um, the effects of animals is. Uh, and what we are doing to them and what we were doing, we are doing to ourselves is playing such a huge role in what is happening to this planet right now. Um, animal agriculture is now considered the number two cause of the climate crisis right behind energy. And we are destroying this planet and harming our fellow companions on an alarming, alarming rate. So, um, so I think right now there's just a little, there's not a little, there's a, a much greater urgency to get people on this bandwagon, mm. not, not only for the animals, but for ourselves. And as frightening as the planetary situation is, it is bringing people to do this work who would never have done it for the animals. You know, sometimes the animal door is the one that opens. And then, thank goodness, people are coming in through the environmental door and the health door. So, Elaine, tell me an animal story. <laughs> tell me about one animal that you saved or rescued or that just comes to mind that lets you know you're absolutely doing what you're supposed to be doing in this life. Oh, that's an e that's so easy. Um, first of all, I have five uh, furry little beings in my own household right now, permanently. Um, I still am a revolving door for foster care, but um, my absolute soulmate uh, is my oldest dog, Ellie. And I uh, got a call from someone who there was a pregnant dog in a shelter. They had arranged for the mama dog to be uh, adopted by someone, but they needed her to be rescued and tended to while she had her puppies and then the puppies placed and whatnot. And at that time I had the space and the energy and the wherewithal to do it. So I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll go get her. So I did. And mom had uh, had delivered six puppies in the shelter. I got all the puppies out. I raised them from four days old. I helped mom. Mom was a great, great mom to them. Um, she really took to them and really took very good care of them. They lived in my bathroom for like the first two weeks before they started getting too big. And then we all spent time outside. And um, I mean, I have animals. I've always had animals in my life as much as I rescue and as much as I foster and as much as I travel and all of this. I, at that time I was like, it's, or well, not even at that time, it's always like, it's very easy for me usually to pass animals along. Like people will say, oh, it's so hard to foster cause I want to keep them. And it's like, yeah, but like other people need the experience with animals and those animals need to go to home. So I'm all about share, 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 pass along, pass along, pass along. So I had these six puppies. I had absolutely no intention of keeping any of them. I had places for them all to go. And then at the very last minute, one of them lost their place to go. And it just hit me. And I was like, oh, 
because she's supposed to stay with me. And I completely changed my mind. I can't even tell you why I changed my mind. But then all of my friends around me were like, well, of course, like she's been following you. Have you not noticed? She's been following you since she could walk. And, and like, I would go into a room and then I kind of thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I'd go into the bathroom and she would just watch me and she would just follow me. And she was just always with me. And now we're like, I mean, she is my soulmate. I, I just can't imagine life without her. So, um, that will always go down as like, just the most magical of magicals of all my rescues. Ah, I love stories that have magic in them and I love stories <laughs> that have dogs in them. So I guess that's <laughs> my favorite story. So how does it work when you're working? I mean, my daughter is an actor and I know a little bit about, you know, life on the road and the canteens and the trucks with the food. How is it being vegan? Um, it's easier now more than ever. Um, um, yeah, it's easier now more than ever because people, you know, there's just so many more products available and people are so much hip to it. And so pretty much anywhere you can go. I mean, you know, when I, I adopted a vegan lifestyle before I adopted a vegan diet and, um, and that was particularly easy. And there's been times and still, you know, I mean, I'll admit I'm not always 100% perfect, but you know, I'm 99.9. .9, and those one times when I'm literally out, like in the middle of like, there's, I've, I've shot in towns <laughs> that barely have, um, like a convenience store, much less any type of real anything around them. So that's when it gets challenging. Otherwise, it's like, it's easier now more than ever. Thankfully I'm in, I'm in uh, Baton Rouge right now filming and the catering and, and we call it craft service came up to me just whole right. refrigerator designated to all of our vegans. And I was like, yay. And then oh. it turns out like there's so many other vegans on this production. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad there are and that you're eating well. So just in our last few minutes, you, you have a spiritual life. You practice SGI Buddhism. You spent uh, 10 years as part of Agape in Los Angeles. Now, I know that the minister there, Michael Beckwith, is a vegan. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, religious people don't seem to have a higher percentage of vegans than any other group of people. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that largely that I personally blame the Bible for, for that. And then the thought around that originating in like the idea that we have dominion and that, you know, animals are somehow below us. And then that that has seeped in through religion, that's seeped in through philosophy, that's seeped in through science, that has seeped in, in through, you know, just thoughts all across the board. And, and I really, really wish, it, it bums me out that more um, spiritual and religious groups don't adopt the idea of animals, you know, being who they truly are. Um, it, it's really frustrating, but there's definitely a whole sect of people also working on that. And that's also something I personally um, chip away at uh, whenever I can. So to people who are listening, Elaine, somebody is out there thinking, I want to do more. 
And maybe they have dozens of ideas, but they don't know what to do first. What does this person do first? Um, I think this person should, um, should really, actually, I think they should start meditating first. Because all of those ideas, like if you just keep following them, they will lead you. It's just a matter of listening to them. So keep listening to those ideas. Get even more in tune with yourself because you do that and opportunities will pop up. You will run into someone. You will learn about a group. Something will show up on your computer screen. There is, I believe, a certain amount of magic that will meet you if you show up to meet it. So keep going towards those ideas. Keep going towards your dream. You don't have to know it right off the bat. You don't have to do it perfectly. Just keep showing up for it. I love that. And you've really done that. So you know that it works. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. If Alex Hershaft is listening... Do you want to send him a message? I love you, Alex. I love you so much. I can't wait for this weekend. He is just the dearest man. And um, I'm, I'm excited to share another conference with him. Oh, he is wonderful. He's going to be on the show again this fall, although he tells me that at his age, in his 80s, he doesn't plan far ahead. It's it's penciled in. I'm planning on it. Thank you so very much. Congratulations on the award, Elaine Hendricks. You can find her all over the Internet at Elaine, numeral four animals. You can also find Jerome Flynn on Twitter at Jerome Flynn. And to everybody listening, thank you. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. And go with a blessing. Be blessed. Be kind. Be healthy. Be. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.